You're listening to The Ladies Room. I am Iris St. Moran. And I'm Jennifer Sanders. So by day, we're television news anchors at competing stations in New York. But in real life, we are the best of friends. Okay, so tell our listeners why we decided on The Ladies Room. You know, it's that place where you get yourself together, maybe fix your hair and makeup, tell a secret. Ladies know what I mean. Girl, you know I know what you mean. So you'll get to hear from some phenomenal ladies who are doing phenomenal things across the world. And our goal is to provide inspiration and information. We're on air in the ladies' room. All right, we are in the ladies' room with the Natasha Alford. The beautiful, the fabulous, the extremely talented and phenomenal Natasha Alford. And we're finally glad that we this episode came together (laughs) because... Sometimes, you know, we've been trying to get in your schedule and, you know, manipulate it happen. Finally, thank you. Which is good, which is good. So, we just want to talk about you and, you know, we've just seen your success over the years and we're so proud of you. Oh, thank you. And we're excited to see even what God has for you in your life. So, what we want to do though is start at the very, very beginning because I know people, and I think I told you this story, uh, that went to your church in Syracuse and they say, from a young age, we knew that Natasha was going to be somebody. (laughs) We knew, and I'm not just talking about Jackie, I'm talking about a few other people. And so, what did young Natasha want to be when she grew up? Oh my goodness, that's a great question. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I love you both. This is such a great uh, platform and a space for conversation, so I'm honored to be here. Um, way back in the day in Syracuse, what did I want to be? That's a great actually. I used to watch Jackie Robinson on television. And um, even though she wasn't a meteorologist, I was like, I want to be a meteorologist. Really? Because it just, you know, it seemed cool. You had the green screen uh, behind you. Um, But yes, it was women like Jackie Robinson who were such an example and were visible in a way that we didn't often see women of color be visible in media. So um, that was one of my dreams. I think I I used to say I wanted to be president when I was a little kid, just because you know it was it's an ambitious thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, you, well, that's another part of the yeah. conversation. But um, you know, that was the one thing about growing up in Syracuse was that my teachers, uh, my community was just always so supportive. They said you could do whatever you want, you could be whatever you want, and you can't underestimate how much kids really take that in. You know, and so even in times when I doubted myself, I knew that people had high expectations for me. And I think that kind of kept me pushing. Definitely. So from Syracuse to Harvard, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you didn't start your career. You kind of did a couple different things. Let's That's talk right. about like the journey, the journey. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the irony is that I wrote my college application. I say that I wanted to be a journalist. I said I wanted to work on CNN, uh, CBS or NBC. And, um, but once I got to college, I got caught up in the recruiting system. Mm. And so a lot of recruiters will come to Ivy League schools or just top schools in general and say, you know, will you come work for our company your senior year? And it's really attractive. It's seductive because it's like, oh, I can have a job lined up before I graduate. Um, oftentimes these are corporations, you know, and so I had started an application for Teach for America. I thought maybe I would be a teacher when I graduated. And instead, I was recruited by a hedge fund, an investment firm out in um, Connecticut. And so I applied. I really didn't think I was going to get the job because I didn't have corporate experience. But when I got an offer, it was just like, wow, okay, this is a chance to um, get 
a different kind of experience because everything I did had been nonprofit or education focused up until then. And so I went, I worked for this hedge fund. I was a management associate, um, kind of on a leadership track, thinking that maybe I'd go to business school or something like that. But I just, I didn't really feel inspired. Mm. Um, it, it was exciting. It was an interesting place to work. It was an unconventional place to work. But every day I went in and I was just like, what is my purpose here? What is the bottom line? And at the end of the day, investment firms are there to make money for their clients. Um, for me, I think I wanted to change the world, you know, and I felt like I had to give back to the community that I came from. So after a year, I left and I went into education. I missed the TFA, Teach for America mm -hmm. deadline, and so I applied to a fellowship instead. Uh, did really humble work, you know. I was making copies, I was crossing kids across the street, organizing lunches, <laughs> picking up the phone, like helping this school called the Equity Project build in its very first year. And so your, your, your job was to do whatever needed to be done to help the school run. But I learned so much through it and I, I got to shadow amazing teachers and that really prepared me to have my own classroom. Um, and then of course my mother is a school teacher so that's a, a lifetime of preparation as well. But I went I became a middle school teacher in Washington, D.C. at a, a charter school there, taught 6th, 7th, and 8th grade English, was a homeroom teacher, uh, two of the most incredible years of my life. And, um, you know, I ran into some interesting things there because although teaching, I love teaching, I really didn't like the politics of being in a school. Um, you know, there's a lot of instability. We had like multiple principals come in and out and it really made me say to myself, well, how can I change the system? Like, how can I make this system better for students across the country? And so I started to explore policy as the next opportunity. I got into Stanford University. They had a policy and organizational leadership program. And I went out to visit and something just didn't it, like it didn't click all the way. I was like, I don't know. And then I got an offer to go work for a political lobbying firm in California that did education policy. So it was like I could either pay somebody to learn about this or I could just go jump right in and that's exactly what I did. Um, but you know, God always has a plan, right? Mm -hmm. yes. And so I was there at this education political lobbying firm but getting a lot of projects around communications. And the CEO who um, had a national platform at the time was publishing her own book. And so I was booking media and kind of organizing her book tour and interacting with journalists. And that's when it just kind of really clicked for me that that was my natural talent. It was interviewing, it was writing, it was meeting people, it was storytelling. And I was doing that at this political lobbying firm, but I wanted to do it full time. And so that started the journey of <laughs> journalism school. I applied to grad school on the low. Uh, while I was applying to business school. And um, once I got in, I got into Northwestern Medill School of Journalism. Then I ended up getting uh, a scholarship. It was like, all right, this is this is the universe telling you to go ahead and go for the dream. And so that's that's when the second, that's when my life, I feel like, really got started career-wise. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I know, and that's when we became connected. That's right. Um, yep. Jackie Robinson and former anchor there in Syracuse, she connected me and Natasha. And she said, I want you to look over this girl's resume tape, like, to see how it is. Girl, when I saw that, oh, I said, 
she could apply at our station right now and get a job. And that's when you were in grad school, you know what yeah. I mean? And I could just see the talent. And I think, again, as we talked about in another interview, when passion meets purpose, mm-hmm. like you are literally just walking into the destiny that God has you. And I feel like when you were doing that, you really, truly were walking in the pathway, like you said, that, that God had for you in terms of yeah. being a journalist. Yeah, well, getting your endorsement was everything. I was like, the Jennifer <laughs> oh Sanders likes my thing. No. <laughs> No, it it meant so much because, you know, when you have a dream about something, you're just getting started. Nobody knows who you are, really. You know, there are a thousand people who could do it better. Right. But you just want people to give you a chance. Mm -hmm. Just give me a chance. Tell me that you see some potential. And so it meant a lot for you to look at my tape. It meant a lot to to talk to Jackie Robinson, the person who I looked up to. Um, But yeah, that that was the, the hustle. I went to grad school intent on getting a job. That is exactly what I wanted to do was to have a job coming out of school because I didn't have a safety net. You know, I came from a working class family and I was expected to work and to earn my way. And a lot of people were like, journalism, you're not exactly going to be bringing in big bucks. You know, you're going to be broke for a long time. I wasn't right out of school. I was like 26 or 27. And so it felt a little bit risky, but um, so happy that like now it's been like four years and um, I do feel like I'm living my dream and I do feel like I am walking on a path that is mine, uniquely mine. And it feels really good to to not be trying to live a life that seems like successful in someone else's eyes, but doesn't feel true to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's unconventional. It's a little bit different, but I'm loving it. So I want to kind of get to where you are now, but talk about. Like people, if you follow Natasha on Instagram and you see the people that she is interviewing, I'm the, the one that I think I fell out on the floor and I <laughs> had to pick my edges and put them back on again, was Oprah. But before you got to the grill doing Oprah, you were in local news. Obviously, there was some challenging times, you know, because I think people see the the pictures and, you know, Auntie Maxine. Just Mm kind of talk, you know, about that. The journey. The journey. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I always say that local news was the foundation for everything. I mean, local news, you learn how to grind. People have no idea. When they see you on the news, they see you with the makeup and the outfits, and they think that, you know, life is just, like, so glamorous. But you are waiting for hours Mm -hmm. to get to stories. Oftentimes, uh, you're getting the door slammed in your face. People are cussing you out Mm -hmm. because they don't want to be interviewed. Um, But you're there at people's, sometimes their worst moments in life when they've lost someone you know, um, where they're coping with tragedy. And it teaches you an incredible amount of empathy um, and just a sense of um, understanding the human struggle. And so it's an incredible privilege to tell people stories. And I had an amazing time um, in my year in Rochester, New York, which happens to be a city that deals with a lot of poverty. And so a lot of my stories were focused on that, um, the homeless community, uh, domestic violence survivors, um, education and those changes. Um, so I was there for about a year. I ran into some personal challenges. And so I really wanted to be home. You know, I found myself in this place where I had grinded for so long um, professionally, but I was feeling on the personal front that I needed that time. And so just the way that the stars aligned, the way that things played out, I was able to leave Rochester after a year. And I went home to Syracuse and I was on my mom's couch at first. And I just remember her looking at me and telling me, you have a month. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you have a month to figure things out, you know, um, 
you're gonna have to get your own spot. You're gonna have to figure out like what your next plan is. I didn't have a, a, a next job lined up. I knew I wanted to do journalism. I didn't know exactly where or how. Um, and so that was a moment of like resetting. And so I did a little bit of work in the Syracuse community for the school district, did some communications work there as I thought about what the next step was and uh, eventually came to New York, started having meetings, uh, met with some folks at the GRIO. One of the, the then leaders of the GRIO was a Medill alum, Northwestern alum, who I met at the National Association of Black Journalists, mm -hmm. which Shout is another incredible organization. And it just so happened that, you know, they were looking for someone to manage video. I started off on a trial basis that led to a full-time offer to be the deputy editor of The Grio, And I've been there for about more than two and a half years now. Um, but yeah, my job is to be an on-camera host, a producer, a reporter, pretty much a jack of all trades, and which is great for a personality like mine. It's like I'm a Gemini, I like a lot of change, yeah. you know. I get to do serious things, uh, anything from you know police brutality stories to Black Lives Matter, all the way to entertainment. So I'm interviewing Denzel Washington or Viola Davis on the red carpet, and um, it is a pretty incredible, incredible job. Definitely. In your TEDx talk, you talked about courage. I feel like that mm -hmm. was kind of a big theme in that you had to have courage to, again, you know, leave the jobs that you had and then yeah. leave Rochester. And really, you stepped, I mean, we had many conversations. You truly stepped out on faith and God literally just opened this door at yeah. the grill for you and the amazing things that you've done. So just talk about how courage and, and faith have played such an important part in your career journey. Absolutely. Well, I think oftentimes we know the truth about something even before we're willing to admit it. And there were many times when I was in my sort of local news job and I was, I was pushing and trying to make things happen and just feeling like something was still missing. Um, I, there were stories that, you know, I'd be going on to Facebook and looking at those stories and be like, oh, I want to do that, but it actually doesn't fit within my job, so I guess I just can't do that. And that small voice was actually leading me to consider something in digital news, but at the time I didn't know that that's what I was going towards. And I think sometimes we'll try to silence that voice when it's telling us to leave because we don't know, we don't have the next thing lined up. We just don't know. Um, but I think for me, the struggle, the kind of the challenges that I encountered in Rochester pushed me. You know, it just made me say, I, I know that I can be happier somewhere else. I know that um, I can, like, my dream has to be like happiness on all fronts. You know, so if it looks good on paper, but it still doesn't feel good inside, then that means that you have to keep looking. And um, it was hard because, you know, sometimes you'll work really hard for something and then like, it's like, okay, but I worked for this. Like, this is what I asked for. But again, you have to answer that calling. You have to know when something has served its purpose. And so whether that be a relationship <laughs> or a job or a chapter in your life or a city that you lived in, like whatever it is, when you feel that call, you have to answer it. And so, yeah. Uh, circumstances aligned with my intuition, I think, gave me the courage to really step out. And the people who love you will remind you of who you are, too. You know, there will be people who have known you from day one. And so even if there's a chapter in your life where um, you forget, those people will remind you, this is what you're made of. Your destiny and your calling is greater than any particular one job, one relationship, one situation. And so you got to go back to that. And 
going home, being on my mom's couch for like a month, you know, that was that reset, that reminder of like where I came from. At what point did you know that I'm like living my wildest dreams at like my purpose? Was it a feeling, a day? Was it an interview? Or how did, how did you feel like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Wow. Um, you know, I feel like it was like a series of revelations. I remember taking a selfie and like posting it on Instagram in front of a green screen and just being like, this is cool. Like this is this is what I've been wanting to do. And that was only a month in at the Grio. And then I think um, maybe seven months after that, I was I got called to do a red carpet for Orange is the New Black. And I was just like, what am I doing here? You know, you just look around, you're like, they let me on on the carpet to do this. And then you realize, yeah, no, they this this is this is what you've been working for like it is it is an amazing feeling it's an amazing feeling it feels surreal um and then you just that's when you're uh you kick it into gear you know because you have to deliver right when you get an opportunity you want to knock it out of the park and through those experiences you get better and you grow and you're able to take challenges the the Oprah story is great you know I I didn't get a chance to formally interview her, but I had a conversation with her. I met her while I was covering Queen Sugar, which is one of um, her incredibly popular shows on her network. And I just, I knew I would meet her one day, Mm -hmm. you know, but when the opportunity comes and you're just like, I don't know how I'm going to act when I meet the person that I've been looking up to for years and years. But when I was in the moment and I, I said what I said to her and I had the conversation, it was just like... I felt leaving that like I can do anything. Mm. I was able to have this conversation. I was able to to work and network and people trusted me enough to like take certain projects to get to a place where I could be in this room. You really can't tell me there's nothing I can do, you know, nothing that I can't do. And so I want for everybody to have that feeling. A little girl from Syracuse, you know, growing up on the South Side who had a dream and like made it happen I'm not really that different than a lot of the people who I went to school with I just I've been so blessed to have these opportunities and a lot of it is mindset and I want other people to have that same mindset because their dreams waiting on them to you know go out and and be lived definitely and what are some of the the nuggets I mean you shared when we all did the the conference together you shared this but some of the nuggets that Queen Mother Oprah shared with you <laughs> in your conversation. And I know, you know, it was a very private and yeah, personal yeah. moment for you. But Definitely. if there's anything you can share about that. Well, the biggest thing she said was you have to answer the calling, which is something that it's a phrase that I now say as well, uh, because I was explaining to her that, you know, I was at this hedge fund. I was in a cubicle and I just didn't feel happy. And then eventually by stepping out, I found this path. And she was a huge part of that inspiration. And she was like, hmm, you had to answer the calling, huh? And then she talked about how you really can't put a price on your calling. Sometimes, you know, let's say you're making a, um, a good amount of money in a job, right? And you're afraid to step out and do something else. Well, you are essentially saying that that amount of money is worth more than your happiness, right? You're putting a price tag on that. And in reality, your happiness, your purpose is worth so much more. And so it's the people who are able to see the worth of that, who are able to hear their their inner voice and listen to that. Those are the people who advance. The people who allow fear 
um, and judgment and worry to kind of have a more prominent place in their lives, they're unable to move forward. They're paralyzed by that fear. And so she talked about the power of calling, um, which was super encouraging and yeah, I love her for it. She she loves tequila too. A lot of people don't know that, but <laughs> Auntie Oprah loves tequila. Uh, she had us try try you know some of her favorite tequila. I forget the name at this time. Some I wrote it down somewhere, but um, she's just a regular person, like a good down to earth person. You feel that when you meet her, and it's no surprise that she is where she is today. So, what is next for you? I mean, you're working on a lot of yeah. exciting projects. I'm sure mm -hmm. some you can talk about, some you can't, but yeah. what can you talk about that's <laughs> next for you that we need to look out for? Yes, well, I'm excited because I've actually started writing a lot about my journey and growing up in Syracuse, New York. Um, a lot of times people will ask me, they say, what are you? Which is, you know, it's mm. a, a, always a question about like ethnicity, nationality, with your culture. Well, my mother is Puerto Rican. My father is African-American. And when I grew up, I never really saw images of like a black Latina. You know, what is that experience like when you come from a multicultural family? So I'm writing about my story of being an American negra or a Latina or an Afro-Latina um, in a memoir. And there will be a piece coming out very soon. I can't say where it's going to be published, but it's a piece uh, that's going to be coming out really soon on a big platform that shares a little bit of that story. And then, um, yeah. Can you I'm, tell I'm, us what? Okay, you I, can't tell I, us. Okay. I can't tell right. you yet. On when? The record. Can you tell us Off, when? Offline. <laughs> <laughs> With, within a couple of months. Okay. Um, but yeah, and then from there, uh, we'll be looking to, you know, I have my book proposal and we'll be looking to make that official and work on the book and um, hopefully publish that, you know, relatively soon. But excited to share about that story and encourage other women, mm -hmm. whether you're an Afro-Latina or you just come from a background where you feel like you don't see yourself, to know that you are beautiful, to know that you do have a story and that you're not alone. Um, and that you can defy stereotypes. Mm -hmm. All of those things are important. What advice would you give a younger Natasha? Oh, wow. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> I think I would tell younger Natasha to uh, worry less and to enjoy the moment. There's so many beautiful moments and experiences that I had that, you know, I think I needed to be a little more present. I just always felt like, oh, I got to hustle, I got to grind, I got to get to the next thing. And your life is being lived right now. You know, it's your life is not lived in the future. It is not at the next accomplishment. It is not at, you know, the next accolade. It is literally happening right now. So to be present and to trust your gifts, to trust your God, to trust your purpose will carry you through. And when you have that trust in God, in yourself, in your purpose, you can be joyous in those moments because you know that things are going to work out no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so I would say to worry less. You don't have to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. Black girls everywhere, you do not need to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. You too um, can enjoy life because, you know, it's a gift. Definitely. What would you tell any, I know there's a lot of young people that look at you and say, I want to be like Natasha when I grow up. Oh, and well, I know, <laughs> yeah. I'm a bit of a hot mess too, so. <laughs> no, We're but... talking about career. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, and that's, is kind of the other side of right. everything that you it's know we, yeah everything that that glitters 
isn't always golden. Like you said, as reporters, as journalists, we endure a lot. And just personally, we have to make a lot of sacrifices to really achieve our dreams. But what would you tell a a young girl who is looking at you Mm -hmm. and uh, says that they want to be like you when they grow up? What would you tell them right now in the space that they're in? Well, I'm certainly honored if anybody looks up to me. And like we just said, you know, I am as human as they come. I've made a lot of mistakes and have learned the hard way. And actually, my stubbornness, uh, which is a strength uh, in the in the career field, can sometimes be, uh, you know, a, a, a thorn in, you know, other spaces because maybe I, I, I need to listen more or um, accept, you know, when something isn't going to work out and just sort of move forward. Those are things that I've, I've had to learn the hard way. Um, but in terms of, okay, being an independent professional woman who is driven, goal-oriented, and um, doing things off the beaten path, if that's who you want to be, well, the first thing you need to do is have clarity about what you're working for. So make sure that you're writing your goals down. Um, that you are tracking your journey. That's something that I've always done. And it's helped me to go back when I maybe have lost my way to to keep track of like the work that I'm doing. The second thing is to met, um, to cultivate a network like crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The people that I can call for advice and help, that list is long. And those people are pretty incredible. And so there's nothing that you necessarily are just doing by yourself. Like there are people who guide you and help you to make decisions along the way. And people who know how to surround themselves with people who are smarter than them, those are the people who win. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. But you can't be afraid to ask for help. And sometimes I think we'll, we'll see people, we feel intimidated, we're like, oh, they wouldn't want to help me. Or, you know, why would they want to talk to me? Or they're going to be busy, they won't have time. You'd be surprised who is willing to help you if you show that you are genuine and you are interested and you are doing something, as long as you're not wasting their time, people will give you their time. So the, that first step is to, to, you know, go out and to cultivate that network. And I can't tell you how many times I'll, I'll speak somewhere or I'll offer a business card, people will take it, and then some people don't follow up. But the people that do follow up, get phone calls and they get coffees and when an opportunity comes up or a job comes up I think of those people and so you want to be that person on somebody's list you want to speak into existence to the universe what they what you want and the universe will give it back to you tell people what you're working towards Mm. tell them you want to be the next Oprah or you want to be the next Jackie Robinson and you will see people offer you opportunities to help you get along that path so goals, a network. Um, I think the last thing, what would I say would be the last thing? You just really got to kind of be unbothered. Like you mm. just, you can't care too much what people think. You just can't. Say it again. <laughs> you cannot care too much what people think. You know, if I, I think if I had gotten caught up on, oh, what will people think if I, you know, go, go home to my mom's couch I wouldn't have been able to set myself up for the next blessing. I would have just kind of been stuck in the place that I was, which was, you know, unhappy. Um, And so you really have to be bold. You have to be willing to kind of be on your own, out there by yourself, real like, you know, building the ark. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? People looking at you crazy. Um, But if you have a vision, then you have to be okay with kind of standing, you know, in that vision. 
So I think that's like a mindset that's really important to being uh, an independent person. And then lastly, um, learning from your mistakes, uh, studying your mistakes, just like a, like a game tape if you play sports or like we do when we look at our reels as newswomen and media women, you watch yourself. Do not look away from your mistakes watch how you are on camera right you study you ever look at yourself and be like oh i gotta stop doing that every day every day like why do i have that facial tick like why do i scrunch my nose like that and my for me it's my eyebrows they're all over the place but study yourself and see those as opportunities to grow don't look away from that uh sort of those places where you know you could get feedback ask for feedback that's that's truly how you get better and that's how you shine all right, and you are shining like a star, girl. Oh, like that. diamond, yes. <laughs> so are you, ladies. So we cannot Just wait, wait, wait to see to what this, presence. you know, this project is. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I'm a journalist, so I don't like secrets. I'm trying to uncover. I know, we need to end this so we can find out real quick. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and if people want to know more about you, social media, your website, mm-hmm. tell us what that is. Absolutely. Please follow me. My Instagram is Natasha S. Alford. It's just my name, Natasha S. Alford. That's the same on Twitter. And, you know, I post a lot of behind the scenes stuff, interviews, clips um, from my work and and writing. And then I'm also on Facebook as Natasha S. Alford News. That's my page. Give it a like. Holler at me in the comments. I I love um, interacting with the people who follow me. And yeah, Yeah. looking forward to seeing y'all. Let's keep the conversation going. Connect with us on social media using the handle onairtlr. And of course, if there's a lady you want us to interview, just let us know. We'll chat again soon in the The Ladies Room.